welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. I love entrepreneurship. It can give a wonderful life of opportunity. It needs anticipation. Yes, absolutely. It needs hard work. And it also thrives on creativity. All children were born with creativity and with special talents. Those talents quite often aren't recognised by the education system or indeed by society in general. But we see creativity in their day-to-day play from the very youngest of years. But the danger is that as we educate our children, they gradually become desensitised to play and more focused on grades and academic achievement. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying we need to ensure that that creativity remains alive and thriving in our youngsters. Their journey as young entrepreneurs towards success in their life will have lots of twists and turns undoubtedly, but with a clear understanding gained over time on what their bigger picture and goals are, their aspirations, some people might refer to it as their why, and their learning from others, how they experience, how they interact with people who have been through some of these experiences before, how they create that open-minded experience, understanding and absorption of what others have been through in the past, will help them bring into context every single experience they have, because it will relate perfectly to their end vision, their end goal. So if they can accelerate that learning, by understanding how others have gone before them, have overcome certain problems. It will overcome the challenge. That question that they could be asked in 20 years' time, I wish somebody else had taught me that. And I think if we're all honest, we'd all look back on our childhood and think, 20 years, 30, 40 years ago, I wish somebody had taught me that. And for me, that might be something like compounding. You know, I wish I'd understood the laws of compounding those 20, 30 years ago, it would have had a dramatic impact on the outcome of where I am today. It's important to understand that this podcast is certainly not anti-education, it's not anti-schools. I think the schooling system may have challenges, but the people who work within it, the teachers, the assistants, the managerial staff around schools, they do a great job with limited resources. And my children have had some of the most fantastic teachers and teaching support available to them in their schooling system. But one thing I would say to you is that I don't believe that we should outsource our children's education to the schooling system alone. We as parents and carers of children must understand and I believe do fundamentally understand that most of the child's education happens outside of the school, not inside of the school. The schooling system will provide the basics of schooling, of education, but this podcast will focus on what happens outside the schooling environment, which will give our children that education into life, into business, and really help them in their journey as they explore entrepreneurship from a very early age. Another common area which will come out in many of the interviews I have with some of the great guests I've got lined up for you on this podcast will be all of them share a common appreciation for the valuation of their time. They massively value the time that they have. It's one of the greatest certainties of our life is that we're all going to pass away at some stage. And indeed, there was a 
fantastic article, which was deeply humbling and, and sad in The Telegraph many years ago. And it was a collection of interviews which summarised. And the, these interviews were for nurses who looked after people in their final days and weeks of life. And these are the top five comments that came from those who are about to pass away. Number one, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. Now those five, I think, deeply resonate with all of us. Incredibly sad to get to the end of your life and to think you might have one of those five. But many people do. And this podcast hopefully will enable us and our children and our youngsters in our care to avoid having those, those thoughts and feelings towards the latter stages of our life. And indeed, it was the great Richard Branson who said, I don't think of work as work or play as play. It's all living. If we find something that we truly love and are passionate about and can turn that into our professional life, into how we earn our living, that takes up every waking hour of our passion and our dream, then everything we do provides a contribution to our common goal, whether that be earning money, whether that be living life, spending time with our loved ones. So I just want to repeat that one to you. I don't think of work as work or play as play. It's all living. Thank you, Richard Branson, for that. I think it's also important to look at wealth. Wealth is absolutely vital, but also wealth takes many forms. It's quite often the case where we'll automatically look at economic and financial wealth. But wealth might come in in terms of our health, our social wealth, the fabric that we live our lives within. Yes, the financial and economic wealth. Mindfulness, that's uh, really important and a hot topic and increasingly so. Wealth in terms of adventure, exploring, travel, how we open our mind to new experiences. And also wealth in terms of our inner circle, the people we spend time with, how we engage with them, how we learn from their experiences and how they help us uh, become motivated and, and inspired. But as we know, money is an enabler. Without money, there's not a lot you can do in this life. Money helps our education system. It helps our health system, helps purchase things, helps create services, helps other people, helps live our lifestyle. So there's no avoiding that earning money is a key part of this podcast, but not just earning, how we earn money, how we retain money, how we multiply money. If we're in the best position ourselves, we'll be in the best position to help others. It's a bit like the analogy of being in an aircraft and the oxygen masks come down. Always give yourself that oxygen first, then you're in the best place to help other people. If you help other people and then help yourself, you may not last through the experience. So making money shouldn't be boring. You know, this isn't a mute capitalist subject. You know, making money is something we should do and thrive, be focused on, but put it into context with supporting other people as well. It can be fun. Yes, it can be challenging. But in creating a fair exchange of value, whilst creating in a loving environment from those early ages and doing something you love, that's an incredibly powerful experience to enshrine within the DNA of our youngsters. For our youngsters to live in a life where they're not reliant on a single income stream in this ever-changing daily world, where they have multiple income streams 
from multiple sources, maybe even from multiple markets, will help them be incredibly resilient in the future. Now, I didn't have that. I spent 25 years in corporate life with a single income stream, whatever level that is. And I know from experience and through many people's experiences that just having that one singular income stream, you know, many people in society are only those few months away from not being able to pay the bills. So having multiple income streams is going to be a pivotal part of setting the platform for our child's resilient future. And allowing our children to arrive at adulthood, understanding those life of choices that lay ahead of them, rather than arriving and understanding what the career advisor may explain to them. We're not looking at the next 50 years of avenues of employment here as entrepreneurs. How can we engage in a lifestyle that really engages, enables, and how we thrive for the next 50 years? That might include employment. And this podcast of inspiring a young entrepreneur, a really crucial part is to actually create the learning. And for that, you may need to become an employee for a while. You may choose to learn from some of the very best in in the industry to learn those skills. But whenever you're earning and learning together, Try and make it in context with that larger, larger goal, that larger vision that you have. And all about creating the best background, being in the best position for yourself. So you have that life of abundance, contribution and choice ahead of you for the younger generation. So who am I? Well, my background is from 25, 26 years of corporate life. I did my degree back in the late 80s in construction. And I've been involved in entrepreneurship for 20 years. Well, not exactly entrepreneurship, more intrapreneurship. So being involved in corporate life, I've set up a number of businesses with my colleagues, all within a PLC or a, a large corporate body. But I retired from corporate life about two and a half years ago. And taking those skills, those business skills, that business logic and acumen into full-blown entrepreneurship, many in, in property and education uh, circles now, and loving those experiences. But the genesis of this podcast was in my experiences many years back. And it's not something I I talk about too often, but as I came from a conservative background and went to Sheffield City Polytechnic to do my degree as it was then, I had the privilege of going to my first football match. It was an FA Cup semi-final, something that I really relished. It was the largest match I'd ever been to. And that match at Hillsborough on that day ended up in tragedy. 96 people lost their lives that day. And what many people don't understand is that 38 of those were between the age of 10 and 18. Those children there on that day, hoping to see their idols, experience a wonderful day, never had the opportunity to understand a vision, maybe understand what their life values were, and live a life of excellence and opportunity. Their lives were sadly cut short on that terrible, terrible day. The images of, of that day will, will last with many people for many years to come. And I didn't know how to handle that, if I'm honest. I put that away in the back of my mind for 25 years and dealt with it in my own way. But it was only when I left corporate life and I realized that corporate life, however you resist it, tends to wrap you in cling film and, and mold you to what they want you to be. But as I exited corporate life, I felt the cling film was torn off and I was able, my very soul was able to breathe. 
and part of my contribution back to life, back to society from those experiences is to transform and help young entrepreneurs understand what entrepreneurship can be, what it can mean, how it can transform their lives. And after that fateful day back in 1989, I decided to live a life of no limits. And that was in my business life, running multiple successful companies around the world, whether that be troubleshooting, but also my personal life. I love endurance sports and and ultra running. And I had an experience back in many years ago when I decided to do my first Ironman. It was a half Ironman. It took me just over six hours. And I was absolutely exhausted at the end of that half Ironman. Couldn't put another foot in front of, of the other. But four weeks later, I was entered for the full Ironman in Switzerland. And four weeks later, after I'd done my week to two week tail off, training and then my my taper training to reach the best physical performance I could have for Ironman Switzerland only four weeks later I was thinking well that's six and a half hours what time scale would I want well I could do the full Ironman let's double it and add a bit so 14 hours but I did that in less than double the time of the half Ironman so how can that be I was exhausted at the finishing line after about six and a half hours of the half Ironman and yet finished the full Ironman in 12 and a half hours. And it's mental strength. Mental strength got me through that, the determination of having that vision and that goal. So I set myself that target of getting to the bottom of my reserve tank, dipping the tank, finding out where I could take my body, my mind, and most importantly, the combination of the two, your physical performance and your mental performance. The human body is an incredible thing. So I set out for a quest to determine how how deep the bottom of my reserve tank was. And that took me to running across the Sahara Desert in the Marathon de Saab in 2011 and running many 50 and 100 mile single day, single stage races, which I absolutely loved. And it was that passion to only have one life. And that was brought sharply into, into focus in 2016 where a very dear friend of mine, Peter Abbott, died in his early 50s. Peter had been a very dear friend of mine for 15 years, a fellow board member, a loving husband and father to three beautiful girls, and he died in his early 50s. Now, Pete had a heart of gold, was as strong as an ox, and his life was cut short through a heart attack. So in Pete's memory, living life to the full, in the memory of those 38 children, on that fateful day who lost their lives at Hillsborough. Living life to its absolute fullest is a real passion. And I hope this passion comes out, and I know it will, in many of the guests that I interview on this podcast, Inspiring a Young Entrepreneur. So quite often in entrepreneurship, I hear a lot of talk about legacy. What will people's legacy be? How are they focused? Will you leave a legacy? Well, the reality is every one of us will leave a legacy. Some will be more significant than others. Some will leave a legacy of bills and liabilities for others to pick up the pieces. Others will leave cash. Others will leave assets. Others will leave values or multiples of those. What do you want your legacy to be? Who will take on the baton? Who will you pass that baton to of your legacy? For me, more importantly than legacy is the custodianship, the training, the equipping of future generations to take over all the hard work and endeavours that I seek to gain throughout my life 
and pass on that baton to those future generations so they can be the custodians of that legacy and take it to even greater levels to transcend the changes that are coming down the track, the ones that I can't anticipate. Looking at those long-term horizons, all the future uncertainty that's going to be happening, the power of anticipation, the agility, the tenacity, and the hard work, those qualities will be more important than ever in the future as the future generations take mine and your legacy and take that to the next level. So let's look at that changing world. The world certainly has changed. My father had a job for 52 years, had the same job, 52 years in one role with a local authority. That's not going to happen in the future. Jobs for life don't exist. The world is becoming an ever ever disruptive world. We've got amazing examples of transformation, the likes of Uber, the largest taxi company that owns no vehicles. We've got Amazon and Alibaba extending the retail phenomenon at an amazing rate and completely transforming global retailing. The internet is just transforming every day of life. There has never been a better time to market your services and your products in the world today. If we look at some great organizations of the past who quite frankly lost the plot, didn't change, didn't transform themselves and take opportunity whilst others did and their business fragmented. If we look at Blockbuster, Blockbuster refused an offer to buy Netflix and look what happened to that. Their model was flawed. Kodak invented the digital camera but yet their organization collapsed. We've got an amazing transition to a low-carbon economy happening here and now. Yes, there are some naysayers, but the transition is happening. Renewable energy is coming. Battery technology is coming to make that a 7 by 24 365 solution. In the UK and in France, by 2040, you will not be able to buy a new car that is not a, an electric drivetrain or hybrid drivetrain. And Volvo, by 2020, will only be producing electric and hybrid vehicles. We've got the advent of driverless vehicles, which are already being tested. Vehicles that are going to be charging on the move. So there'll be no need to pull over a 20-minute, 30-minute charge-up. There's the internet of things, where your fridge, your freezer, your dishwasher will be able to order the components it needs on an as-and-when basis. And then there is the amazing Elon Musk who has transformed how we pay for goods and services, how we take electric vehicles and make them desirable in the same way Apple made phones, smartphones desirable. Elon Musk is now looking at how we can take space travel to the next level. And what Apple and Elon Musk have done is they've taken intuition into products like through Apple products and through Tesla The organizations that are going to succeed in the future are those that can create that intuition, that desire, that marketing to be able to appeal to many people and to also anticipate how people will use that user interface, that user experience. So change is happening all around us. That change is happening to us as well. If you think about the immediacy that we have in life, we don't like to wait for things. We can order something from Amazon Prime and it'll arrive later that day or even you know, early the next day, maybe delivered into our back garden by drones in the future. How we absorb information is changing all the time. 
put a, a large, thick book, 500, 600-page book or a 50-page a of A4 report in front of us, we tend not to like to read them now. We take information in sound bites, whether it be 140 characters on Twitter or short posts. In fact, we're even having warning signs on many people's Facebook posts. Warning, long post. Well, if you printed that post out, it's probably no longer than one sheet of A4. But it's society is just recognising and being humble that people don't take on large amounts of information. They prefer those short sound bites. Is that because they're starting to value their time more or just there is more noise in their daily lives? So that change is happening all the time. And if you want to read that or listen to a, a very, very short clip, it's about two and a half, three minutes long, look up Eric Quallman and his video on YouTube, Social Nomics 2017. And in that, he looks at the concentration levels and how they're reducing rapidly. And we're now approaching the concentration levels of a goldfish of around about seven to eight seconds. And you think that's alarming. Even more alarming, he's also saying that more people now own a smartphone than own a toothbrush, for goodness sake. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. The world is definitely moving from an input-based economy to an output-based economy. And that is something that should resonate with every one of us as parents, carers of our future young entrepreneurs. No longer do people want to pay X pounds an hour to create a website. They'd rather pay Y pounds to have the website done. Okay, CVs are really transforming. No longer does anybody get credibility for working X amount of years with a, an organization. It's about achievement. It's about attainment. What did you do with the advent of Upworks and Fiverr? The CV of the future will be how you produced that website for an organization or did certain tasks and roles rather than I worked for 12 years for an IT company, for instance. So really punchy and that's changing. And we've got some real startup organizations out there making impact. A good friend of mine has started one in Canada, which will help transform how students coming into working life will transform their CVs into a model that is coherent to tomorrow's future employers. Collaboration and creating shared value together will also be increasingly prevalent. And we're seeing that now. We see that a lot in entrepreneurship, more joint ventures, more collaboration. But if you want to collaborate, if you want to create that shared value together, walk a mile in another person's shoes is one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given. It was given by one of my previous MDs 20 years ago. And that served me well for decades in negotiating very large contracts, or just engaging with people to establish shared value in any relationship, whether that be in work or home life. You need to understand what great might look like to another person. So the power of asking open questions and then listening is a skill that is quite often missed by many. If you can create that skill in the younger generation, where asking those open questions and then listening, absorbing, because the power of negotiation is not necessarily understanding what the ne next question you want to ask is, or even what the answer is. It's understanding what the need of the other party is. So equipping our future younger entrepreneurs is quite a key topic here. They will absolutely need a reputation, the brand of you. I believe in life, one of the greatest 
assets any one of us have is our reputation. I remember giving a presentation two years ago entitled The Brand of You. And today, in today's global communication world, in in the world of social media, where your audit trail is, is indelible, but also open for everybody to see, your reputation and the brand of you has never been more important. At the end of the day, you only have one reputation. You see some of the comments and some of the posts on, on social media that people put on. I don't know whether it's to promote a response or, or, or create a, a different image or, or whether it's just naivety or poor thought. But one post can ruin somebody's reputation. So equipping our children for an ever-changing world where the pace of change is increasingly becoming exponential is incredibly important. We must equip them for a life of change so that they are their own economy, so they have the ability to transform and change. And that change has to be continuous. There's an old saying that has been attributed to dozens of people. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And I don't believe that's true anymore. I think it's even worse than that. If you do what you've always done, you'll increasingly get less of what you've already got. And Einstein agreed. Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So Albert Einstein recognized this decades ago. We have to change. We have to be agile. And just remaining static will be a point of erosion. We will get worse and worse and worse in today's ever-evaluating society. But actually change for our younger generation, that's what they're used to. They're used to creativity. They love it. They love that transformation and that agility. They love to do different things. So let's encourage them and let's draw that out of them so that they can live that wondrous life, that exceptional life of change as being an entrepreneur. Now, would you want your children to benefit from the lessons you've learned and also the lessons others have learned to give them the very best start in life, to be the very best version of themselves? Of course you would, and I would too. You know, hindsight is the perfect science, but that's part of the problem. Society grades on perfection, and many procrastinate and never get started through fear of failure. They want to try and be perfect first time, but there's absolutely an argument there for just getting started and get perfect later on. Otherwise, whether it be that perfect website or that perfect business model, just get out there, make a start. Yes, try hard. Yes, try and overcome every small challenge that you can, but do it on the go. Otherwise, it will be the greatest business plan that never made it off a sheet of paper. Our children must be empowered and encouraged to take risks and to not fear failure, but to see it as an evolution Edison had 1,093 patents before he finally identified the right secret source to create the light bulb. 1,093 areas where he failed. That evolution is incredibly important. So we shouldn't be afraid to take risk. We should understand what risk is and the implications of it and to manage and mitigate risk and show our children how to do that. But Edison was also told by one of his teachers back at school in a very different age, I accept that, that he was too stupid to learn anything. But he had the courage of his own convictions, the confidence, the self-belief to keep trying to take risks and knowing that failure would just get him one step closer to success. What somebody else has to teach you may not be what you're interested in. 
And I know many young people in school, they find that. But they're just not interested in some of the subjects. And in life, back to the quote from Richard Branson, I don't view work as work and play as play. We've all got those inner talents. So if we can encourage our younger generation to identify their passion, what they love, and how that can transform into their future profession, be incredibly powerful. But there are no rights in life. None. We even had to be smacked on the bum to take our first breath when we're born. Okay, we have to try to breathe every day. Everything takes effort. So opportunities don't just happen. They're created. And we need to be mindful. We need to anticipate what those opportunities are, what the market may be. But there's never been more powerful time in today's society to understand what those opportunities are. Every one of our children has the opportunity to lead an exceptional lives. And we should encourage them to flourish, to grow, and to understand what their vision is so that they can link each of these opportunities to their greater purpose, to their greater values. To learn and to collaborate and share with reciprocity is an incredibly powerful feeling. Tightest grip is an open hand, as somebody, a wise sage, once said many years ago. The creation of shared value, which is one of our foundation values, visions and principles within, within Equigroup, is hugely important. In fact, it's pivotal. In the construction industry going back 20 years, and I spent much of my life in it, if I wanted more profit, it meant somebody else had to take less profit. But if you can articulate your vision, if you can look at the wider purpose, the wider position, there's enough profit in it for everybody. So it just depends what your perspective is, where your peripheral vision is, and what your approach is to other stakeholders within your business. Do need to be careful, however, not to apply our vision to our kids' future on them. Our children are not there to live our lives. And sometimes we see that in society, but we can ingrain in them very clear vision and values, which we hold dear and allow them then to decide what their life of choices is and how they can apply those values. We give them the love, the nurturing, the support, the security, the framework, and allow them to find what they love and what they're great at and what feeds their fire of passion. One of the key values which I hold dear is how to work hard and also how to work smart. Every business that I've worked in, every business I've created has required a lot of hard work. And I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs on a daily basis. Hard work, tenacity and agility are required in huge quantities at the front end. But if you view that business you're creating, that model as an asset, if you work hard on the asset eventually that asset will start working hard for you. And that's the vision of an entrepreneur. It can be hard. It's not easy. But if you can create that clarity of focus, you can create a model there where you have multiple assets, where you have those multiple streams of income that are going to give you that resilience or your future generation, that resilience and security in the future. And there will be many distractions which you'll have to avoid or have to filter out. There'll be people who just love commentating on life, who believe their advice is this sage advice in life. But another piece of advice that I was given many years ago was that someone else's opinion is, quite frankly, none of your business. So how do you filter that information to be either encouraging, inspirational, or just a complete distraction? 
And again, that's another life skill to teach our children. So this series of podcasts is going to engage any number of these areas through interviews with highly successful people who have been through these experiences and can help you to inspire your young entrepreneur of the future. So when is the right time to start with your young entrepreneur? It's a question I often get asked and and one that we've tussled with as a family. Yes, you want to create that loving environment, that childhood environment full of fun, freedom, excitement. And who wouldn't want to deny our children that experience? Absolutely pivotal. Do you start that education process at home at the age of 18 or when they change school at the age of 11 or 12 when they're born? Or do you create the plan even before they're born? Well, I believe at the heart of this decision is the clarity of understanding of the laws of compounding and how to get your our younger generation a 20-year head start in life. No Chinese proverb, when was the best time to plant a tree? It was 20 years ago. When is the second best time? It was now. So if you have the opportunity, as you're planning your family now, to look forward 20 years when your future children enter that world of adulthood at 18 and what that life might look like now, then you have that opportunity to create that framework today and start that process. Be able to teach the children how to follow their passion, immerse themselves into an understanding of solving problems and needs of others. And that can happen at a very early age, in those first formative years, even before they start school, very gently, just living, breathing those life skills into them so that they can be confident, loving, caring, driven and inspiring individuals. One area of entrepreneurship that is often not spoken about is leadership, the power to be able to lead oneself as well as leading others. So leadership is something that can be indentured into the the training and education of our children. Not all of our children are going to be leaders, of course. So it's understanding where their natural talents are, where where their energy and exertions are. But we can also encourage them to commit. Commitment, full immersion in whatever they set out to achieve, whether it be life goals or tasks, that they can understand that life and goals can be limitless and can be achieved and should be set. So that full commitment, I believe it was Yoda who said, you either do or you do not. There is no try. So no fear of failure, no tinkering around. Absolutely focus and commitment. And that's a life skill to learn. Excellence isn't an event. It's a habit. Those habits are formed over time, constant repetition having a system, having a process, while still obviously creating a loving environment for your children. We don't want an autocratic process as as parents, I understand that. But as Napoleon Hill said, if the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And there is nothing outside of the grasp of those that set those lofty goals. In fact, one of the worst things to do is set a low goal and achieve it, rather than set a high goal and miss it. Think about that for a while. So am I qualified to hold this podcast? Well, I'm not the judge of that. You will be the judge of that. I believe humility is incredibly important. I don't always get things right. I'm flawed. I make mistakes, but absolutely I learn from them and I strive to be better each day. And I know there are various qualities in our phenomenal interviewees that I've got lined up for you in the, in the coming weeks. And they all share a number of common passions. Number one, how to be successful in themselves and lead full lives. 
Number two, they love what they do and they're passionate about what they do. And number three, they want to share their experiences to help you to be or to raise your young entrepreneur. Now, on each episode, I like to give as a regular feature an inspirational quote. And this one is by Michael Jordan, the the world phenomenon in the world of basketball. And he said once, I demand from myself more than anyone else can humanly expect. I am competing with what I am capable of. So in the world of social media, where everyone else's grass is greener on the other side, you have to put your life into context. You're not competing against everybody else out there. Their situation, their circumstances, their goals are entirely different. And it's very easy to get distracted and trying to compete. And those entering entrepreneurship for the first time will see everybody else there on social media being hugely successful, or that's how we're led to believe. But we shouldn't have those preconceived conceptions that life is easy or that other people are successful all the time, because quite simply, they're not. Life is difficult. Life can be hard. Entrepreneurship isn't easy, but it is possible. And to create that freedom and life of choices is a real gift to our younger children. And we shouldn't also preconceive or have a preconceived perception of what great looks like for our children. What great looks like to our children will be very different to what it looks like for us. And indeed, the world will be very different in 18 years' time as our younger generation emerge into the life of adulthood. So let's create an environment that allows them to recognize their inner talents, helps them create a financial platform of security so that they can lead exceptional lives. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk. And we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.